Thank you, Melissa. That's a beautiful hymn and, and beautifully sang. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Galatians and chapter 5. Galatians and chapter 5. Today we're going to do a Bible study on one of the fruit of the Spirit, which is the fruit of peace. Uh, we're going to talk about peace in three areas. We're going to talk about what do we mean by peace. We're going to try to define it. Uh, we're going to talk about what is the peace of the fruit of the Spirit. How, how does that work in our life? And then thirdly, we're going to talk about uh, what do we have to do in order to experience this kind of peace? Are there peace steps that we need to make? And certainly there are. Galatians chapter 5. Will you join me with a word of prayer as we begin? Our Father and our God, we're grateful for this day that we have to come and worship you. We're grateful, Lord, for the word that we have heard through music. We've heard, Lord, uh, a word of testimony that it is well with our soul because it is well with the Lord. And I pray, Father, that through your Spirit's presence and power here today, you'll bring peace to our hearts. And God, that you would bring peace to our nation. And God, that we would turn and repent of our sin, our disobedient spirit, and return to you so that we might enjoy your peace in our time. Guide our Bible study today. Lord, help us to apply the great truths of the fruit of the Spirit, which is the peace of God at work in our life. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who said, I am the peace from God. In his name we pray, amen. In Galatians chapter 5, Jesus said, uh, Paul writes here rather, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and then peace. The first three fruit of the Spirit that we see outlined here has to do with our relationship with God. The rest of the fruit of the Spirit will uh, speak about our relationships with each other. And it gives you a key to understanding what it means to have a right relationship with God, and then you have a right relationship with other people. Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives to you, but I give you my peace. And my peace will not pass away. My peace is eternal, Jesus taught us. And he desires that we live every day in that eternal peace. Not a come and go peace, not a up one day and down the next day kind of emotional uh, roller coaster ride, but a peace that passes understanding, a peace that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And that peace is mysterious and it is a gift from God because it is the result of the work of the Holy Spirit active in our heart and in our life. I pray this passage will bring to you some steps that you can take to bring peace back to your life and that we can bring the anxiety down in our world and bring up the peace that passes understanding. We are living in anxious times and we're going to live in more anxious times as the world continues to grow. The population of this world is now at 7.6 billion. By the year 2050, we will be at 
right at 9 or 10 billion people on this earth. That puts extreme pressure on God's creation. That puts pressure to produce, pressure to provide, pressure to uh, allow us to enjoy the days that we have. And with that increase of the number of people in the world, there will be more viruses to deal with. Uh, this virus we're dealing with now, COVID-19, is mutating. And it will become something else that we'll have to deal with in another form in the future. I hope we don't have to wear masks from here on out. In fact, uh, if you feel comfortable while I'm preaching, you're welcome to just lower your mask if you want to. That way, when you stick your tongue out at me, I'll know who you are. I accuse, I accuse Jeff of sticking his tongue out when he's wearing his mask. Now I'll know for sure if that's what he's really doing over there. Um, so anyway, with the increase of stress from population growth in our world, with the reduced amount of food, the re reduced amount of fuel, with a reduced amount of um, order in the world, there will be great stress. And so if there's a message that applies to today and to the future, it is this message about the peace of God. A peace that passes understanding that God wants you to have in this stressful, stressful world and stressful times. And we're going to face a greater stress as we go forward into the future. But you and I don't have to live under that kind of stress. You and I have coping techniques. You and I have someone that's an active within us that's bringing to us a shalom, a well-being that's going to give us a steady as you go. I remember when I was taking flying lessons down in Louisiana. One of the, one of the um, uh, sayings that you have when you're flying is called straight and level. That simply means you level out the plane, you fly straight straight ahead, and you maintain the course that you're on. Now, when I was in the Air National Guard and was a young captain, I was wanting to get a ride in the F-4. Anybody know what the F-4 Phantom is? Jet. I couldn't wait to get in that thing, and they promised me a ride. I got in the back seat. And while I was in the back seat, we flew up to Ohio to restricted airspace. And um, it just happened it was a cloudy day, so we were way above the clouds. Problem is, you, you can't see the horizon when it's cloudy like that. Uh, you can't see the ground. Um, you can see the wingman that's flying next to you. And when I had the stick and I was flying, uh, my plane was going like this. And he was doing that right beside me the whole way. And so he was trying to keep up with me. And I was trying to keep up with the instruments on the airplane. And in the back seat of an F-4, you can't see straight ahead. You can see this way. You can see this way. But you can't see straight ahead because in front of you, you're kind of seated down like this, and in front of you there's this instrument panel and a radar in the front of it, and this radar scope is what they use to find the enemy and bomb the enemy and that sort of thing. So that's all you've got to look at. Now, as a kid, I, if I couldn't see straight out, I'd get on these little, little go-around things at the park. You know, you get on, little kids get on and go around this way, and I'd get sick as the dog. I couldn't ride the kiddie rides because I had this vertigo problem. So we're flying along, flying along the airplane, and the captain uh, pilot says to me, Colonel Green, 
He says, okay, chaplain, you got it now. Uh, do whatever you want to do. I said, well, I want to roll it over. He said, that sounds great. So I gently rolled it over, and we lost two or 3,000 feet and came back up. And he said, well, that wasn't too bad. You lost 3,000 feet. He said, next time when you roll it over, do it like this. And he grabbed the stick, and he hit the wall with it. And when he did, the plane just went like that. I made the mistake of looking straight up. And when I looked up, the earth just went boom, like that, right back to where it was. And I have never been so sick in all my life. And he said, what do you want to do now, chaplain? I said, straight and level. <laughs> straight and level. I've had enough turmoil. I've had my pleasure. I've had my ride. I've had my turn. I've never been so sick in all my life. We landed at Stanford Field. I crawled out of that airplane, literally crawled out of the airplane, got into my car. I don't know how I made it home, but I drove to the house. I got on the couch, and I lay down for three hours before my brain quit doing this. I needed some peace. I needed straight and level. And I compare that to times in which we live now where we sometimes find the world sort of out of control. And other people like the wingman's following us, and we're not straight and level either. You know? And if we're not straight and level, they're not going to be straight and level. Somebody in the room needs to be the adult that is a non-anxious presence. I'm going to say that again. Write that down. Somebody in the room needs to be the adult with a non-anxious presence. Jesus was that adult in the Bible days. He was asleep in the boat on the sea, and the storm came, and they woke him up to say to him, do something about this storm. They knew he could produce miracles. They knew he could do mighty works. But Jesus got out of there, scolded them about their lack of faith, and he spoke to the storm and it went away. It remained peaceful from there on. And the disciples said, Who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Well, he is God. He created the wind. He created the seas. And he knows when you're in the boat in the storm. He knows when you're going this way and you want to be straight and level, you just wish life would settle down. You wish you could get back to normal. I'd give almost double price for a good Mexican food a plate right now. Hadn't had any so long. I'd like to get back to normal, you know. Um, and, and I praise God that we have the answer because He is the Holy Spirit of God, active and involved in our life. What is this peace? What do we mean by peace? The word in the Old Testament for peace is the Hebrew word for shalom. Shalom. Now those of you who are Bible students have heard that word before. The Greek word for peace is irene, and I can't hardly remember that, but I can remember shalom. Shalom is a greeting that the Hebrew people had for each other when they met each other, and it simply meant May you be well. May you be well in all areas, straight and level. May, may you be well in all areas 
of your life. It was a blessing to be able to say to someone, Shalom. The, the uh, picture of the word Shalom comes from a battlefield. Uh, whenever David was inquiring about the status of his troops, he, and, uh, and he needed an assessment of the battlefield. Were they making progress? Or were they retreating? Were they well? Were they okay? And the word came back to King David, Shalom. And that means that the troops were okay and the troops were prosperous and they were accomplishing what they were sent out to do. And that's really what Shalom means. When you and I are making good progress at doing what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be, we have Shalom in our life. Let me say that again. When we are on track to be and to do, to be who God's called us to be, to do what God's called us to do, we have this mysterious shalom in our life that passes understanding. When I preach as God has called me to, I am being and doing what God's called me to do and gifted me to do. And I'm at peace when I'm preparing the message and at peace when I'm preaching the message. My knees still shake when I get up here. Don't, don't let me kid you. Um, but to be honest with you, I still have a peace in my heart that I'm doing what God wants me to do. And I can tell you right now, when I'm feeling out of kilter, when I'm out of balance, when my wellness wheel has a hole in it, you know what a wellness wheel is? You ever done that in your studies? Some of you in management have taken those wellness courses and you, you have a hub and you draw out this way and this way how you're doing in different areas of your life. And if you're strong in all areas of your, of your, of your life right now, that wheel rolls pretty steadily. But if you've got an area that's missing, it's like living with a flat tire. You know, the tire is just flat on one side and it doesn't roll very well. And that describes a lot of the spiritual status and the spiritual nature of a lot of Christians. We're not rolling very smoothly as we try to follow the Lord. But I want to tell you right now, when I share the gospel with someone, now I have never won someone to Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. I have shared the gospel. And the Holy Spirit has touched their heart and reached them. And when they said yes to the gospel, they were transformed right in my presence as they prayed that prayer of repentance and accepted Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. And the Holy Spirit of God at that moment transforms their life. There's a tear sometimes, there's a smile sometimes, there's a yahoo sometimes, but uh, it's a joyous moment, it's a holy moment, it's a sacred moment. And when I've been there with someone, I go home and I just feel like I am right with the world. I'm just right. Just right as rain. And that's a peace that I don't get doing anything else. Because we are called to do that. Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. And when we are and when we do what God has called us to do, we return to straight and level. We return to shalom. We return to well-being. We know everything's all right.
And the reason is this. The word shalom also means in order. Things are in order. And God has created this world in an order. And when we sin, we are disordered. And when we are disordered, we are out of peace. So if we choose sin, if we transgress, if we say no to God and do it our way instead of His way, we are disordered. And that disorder brings disharmony in our life. We're out of harmony with God. We're out of harmony with ourselves. And we're out of harmony with each other. Now let me take this one step further. Many of you are dealing with unhappy relationships with other people, whether it be at work, maybe at church, maybe in your family, maybe with someone at your school. And you do not feel that peace in that fellowship, that relationship. Something's wrong. Something's not right. And you're not quite sure what it is. And you're, you're at a state where you don't want to mess things up too bad. And you don't want to upset the cart. So you go along and play along and walk on eggshells, thinking that if you do everything right, it'll, everything else is going to work out right. And the truth is, your problem is not with the person that you think you're having a relationship problem with. Your problem is with your family of origin. It's with your mother and your daddy and your brothers and your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, and your grandparents and your great-grandparents. I've come to discover that when I am having a relationship problem with someone else, number one, I can't change them so that they can be happy. I can't do it. I'm, I'm powerless to do that. I can't change you. Jeff, I don't want to change you, but I can't change you. I like you just like you are. But if you and I were having a problem, I I'm powerless to change you. But I am in a position of power to change me. I can change me. And the way I change me is not to try to change Jeff, but to go back to my mother, my dad, my brothers, and my sisters and ask myself, am I reacting to Jeff just like I did to them? And which one did I act that way to? Is it my dad? Is it my mom? Have I not finished leaving home? Am I still enmeshed in my family of origin so that consciously or unconsciously I'm bringing all that reactivity in my relationship with Jeff and I'm out with Jeff. Thanks for putting up with me here. I'm out of relationship with Jeff, for example, but Jeff's really not the problem. He's getting the brunt of it from me you know, I just don't like the guy. Well, why don't I like the guy? I don't know. Don't even know him. Well, the reason is there's something I hadn't resolved 
with my own mother, my own brother, my own father, my own uncles, my own family of origin. And if I will do the hard work of changing my relationship with them and becoming more of an individual and move away from home and let my family get out of me, so to speak, not be so enmeshed with my family and kind of grow up and be an adult and be the non-anxious presence in the room, all of a sudden, Jeff begins to act better. Jeff and I begin to get along. Jeff and I become a team. Jeff and I work things out. Jeff and I just do a lot of things well together. Please, if you're watching, I'm not mad at Jeff, okay? Those of you on TV, he's my brother. I'm just using this as an example. And he's so kind not to stick his tongue out at me. Now, apply that to where you work. Apply that to your friends at school. Apply that to your own home. And you'll find yourself coming to peace with your past and letting go of all that you've been reactive toward and say, I don't have to react to all that stuff anymore. I can just be me. Because I'm a child of God now. I'm growing up in Christ. I'm an adult. And I can be the adult in the room and be a non-anxious presence where I work, a non-anxious presence in my church, a non-anxious presence in my family. And when I do that, they don't react to me anymore. They're not reacting. We are responding to each other and encouraging each other. And all of a sudden, we're in fellowship together. You know what fellowship is? It's everybody in the boat rowing in the same direction at the same time. Isn't that amazing how that works? God brings peace to my life when I grow up, become an adult, and say, I'm different from the family I grew up in. I am who I am. I'm transformed by the presence of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God growing in my relationship with Christ. I don't have to be reactive to my parents. I can be me. And who I choose to be from here forth needs to, number one, be uh, in relationship to Christ and be obedient to what he has called me to do. Folks, that's shalom. That's peace. That helps everybody in the room grow up just a little bit more. So what is this peace from the fruit of the Spirit? It is order that has returned in three areas. I'm going to write these down. We've gone from disorder to order. Number one, it is a spiritual reordering. This peace of God is a spiritual reordering. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You were born a living nephesh. You were born a living soul. 
And as a living soul, you are a spiritual being. The reptiles and the mammals of the world that God created do not have this nephesh that you have. And so your spiritual soul longs to be in right relationship with your Creator God. That's called spiritual order. And this human condition of sin has led to disorder. We have disobeyed God's commands. We have disobeyed God's order in the world. And we need to be brought back together with Him. And it is through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross that we are brought back into a right spiritual relationship with Holy God. When you confess that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and ask Jesus to forgive you of sin, He becomes your peace and restores you to a right relationship with the Father. That's why every day we need to get up and walk every day by the Spirit. If we are led by the Spirit, the Bible says, we will walk humbly with our God. We will walk repentantly. We will not walk trying to be the answer to everybody else's problems. We will walk humbly trying to manage our own. And when we manage our own through faith and repentance in Christ, it is amazing how that peace oozes out into other relationships that we have. It is also not only a spiritual reordering, it is a psychological reordering the Bible says we are to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we will bring back a psychological reordering to our life it's found in the book of Philippians chapter 4 in verse 7 where the apostle Paul says if there be anything that is beautiful if there is anything noteworthy of our thought if there's anything of beauty that God has placed in this world, let your mind dwell on these things. See, when you're at peace with God spiritually, you're going to be at peace with God psychologically as well. And He restores a reorder in your soul and in your mind. To be right with God is also to be right with yourself. And it is also to be right with others. This is the third work of the peace of God in our, in our life. It is a relational reordering of our life. In Ephesians chapter 2, Apostle Paul talks about how the Gentiles and the Jews are brought back together ever since the time of Hagar and Ishmael. They have been separated as two separate people. But now the Gentiles and the Jews are brought back together through Jesus Christ, who is our peace, Paul said. He is our peace. There's no longer a distinction between Jew and Greek. There's no longer a distinction between black and white. There's no longer a distinction between Gentile and Jew. All lives matter. Because all of us have been redeemed and brought back together in a relationship with Christ 
and in a relationship with each other as well. Now I treat you with dignity. Now I treat you with respect. Now I treat you as a person created in the Mago Deo, the image of God. And when you and I start doing that, it's amazing how it catches on in the community in which we live. The answer to the hatred and the unrest in our world is the peace of God through Jesus Christ. And there is a justice that comes with that kind of peace. We cannot ignore that. And when that justice comes and those who long for it and desire it and treasure it will move beyond the injustice to want to have a better relationship and a better fellowship together with each other. Black, white, Jewish, Gentile, male, female, whatever classes and categories that we separate ourselves in as a society. In Jesus Christ, the Bible says, there's none of that anymore. We are all one in Jesus Christ. It's just a little taste of heaven. And the, the nifty thing about, get, about getting along with people down here is we're going to have to get along with them in heaven too. And we can do that because we have the peace of God. So what do we do to experience this peace? Number one, we respond to this working relationship of the Holy Spirit in our life. He is at work in us. Let us let him finish that work. He who began a good work in you knows that you're not grown up yet, knows that you have strengths and struggles, knows that you have uh, opinions that are not factual. He knows that you are influenced more by others than you are by Christ. And he says to us, let me help you grow up. Let me help you mature. And when you do that, you will find yourself at peace with God. We're all still growing up. None of us have completed our race. It is a lifetime of learning. It's a lifetime of discovery. But the joy that comes with this journey is the joy of treasured friendship treasured relationships that go way beyond the hurting past and build a working future as we serve the Lord together, all of us forgiven by God. And then having experienced the Holy Spirit in our life, we obey the Holy Spirit and fulfill the commands to be a peacemaker. When you're leading someone to Jesus, you're a peacemaker. When you are learning new ways to work through old problems, you are a peacemaker. When you realize that your problem is not with Jeff, but it's with your own family of origin, you become a peacemaker in this world. Thanks for letting me pick on you this morning, Jeff. I love you. Hope he still loves me after the sermon. <laughs> we become a peacemaker. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit 
what God wanted for you at the very, very beginning of creation, the good earth, the good world. Everything God made, he said, was good. And it's good because it serves the purposes of God. That's what the word good means in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, the story of creation. God said it was good. When God said it was good, that meant God said it was for his purposes that he created these things. He created you for his purpose. And you have become the goodness of God in this world through the Holy Spirit's power and presence in your life. May we be peacemakers. Amen. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Our Father, we thank you for the peace that passes understanding. A, 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 a peace that's hard to describe when we do the hard work of growing up, when we seek to be the non-anxious presence in an upside-down world, when we strive to be peacemakers, when we offer the peace of Christ to someone who doesn't know Jesus, that they can be saved too. When we become instruments of reconciliation, bringing all sinners together to become one body in Christ. Lord, may you be glorified as we carry this peace into this world this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.